Good morning, church. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here at North Shore Alliance Church, and it is my joy to open up God's Word with you this morning and to share with you what He has laid on my heart through this passage this past week. Before we jump in, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Brenda, who's been hard at work improving our sanctuary and making it more functional with the installation of the new lights. So thank you to the crew and to all who've worked on it and improved our space. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Elliot and Dean who did a bunch of extra work getting these pre-records together for you. And we should be back to resuming our live stream next weekend. Today we'll be wrapping up our mini-series mini after the resurrection. We have been exploring the powerful implications and aftershocks of the resurrection of Jesus. We have seen that because of Jesus' resurrection, we can be confident that there is life after death. And for those who belong to Jesus, life after death means being with him. We have seen that because of Jesus' resurrection, we can boldly ask him for healing, and we can trust in him as we wait. We have seen that because of Jesus' resurrection, we have the promise that Jesus has inaugurated and will bring to completion our redemption and the restoration of all creation. And we have seen that because of Jesus' resurrection, we are now priests of God to this world, and our lives are set apart to God as signposts to our neighbors, saying that prayer is available here. Today, we'll be wrapping up our series by seeing how the resurrection of Jesus propels us into the mission of God. Our text this morning is Acts 1.8, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles there with me. Now, this verse has a very special place in my heart, not only because it is a great verse, but it's also the first verse that I studied in depth at my Bible college. And my first inductive Bible study assignment was to write 20 observations about this one verse. And if you participated in the How to Study the Bible class with me a few months ago, you also had the joy of doing this assignment. So let's look at Acts 1-8 together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And the first observation that we notice is that this verse begins with the conjunction, but. And if you've grown up watching Schoolhouse Rock, perhaps you have the song, Conjunction Junction, What's Your Function, playing in the background. And while the conjunction is directly tied to the verse before it, I wanted to start with three points of context, starting in verse 1, to give us a running start into our passage. So the first point of context is that this verse, our verse this morning, is set within the framework of the ministry of Jesus. Let's look at Acts 1, verses 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. We see that the book of Acts is part of a two-volume work, which continues the story that Luke began to tell in his gospel account. Luke begins the book of Acts with a short recap sum statement to summarize his gospel. 
This is similar to what you would see when watching a TV show, and they, they provide you with a little soundbite to give you some context for the episode. Previously on the Gospel of Luke, we saw all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. But before he was taken up, he gave instructions to his chosen apostles through the Holy Spirit. On to the new episode. Luke specifically uses the word began to imply that the ministry of Jesus will now continue on through the disciples. The second point of context is that our verse is set in the anticipation of the Holy Spirit. We see this in verses 3 through 5. Let's continue reading. After his, Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Luke emphasizes that Jesus' death was real and that Jesus' resurrection was real. And part of the many convincing proofs is that after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to his disciples over the next 40 days and gave them instructions about the kingdom of God. And the occasion that Luke is calling back to is most likely from the end of his gospel account in Luke 24, 36 through 49, where Jesus eats with his disciples and promises the sending of the Holy Spirit to them. And now the disciples anticipate the arrival of the Holy Spirit. The third point of context, which is directly connected to our verse for today, is that Jesus is realigning the disciples, to God's kingdom agenda. Let's continue on in verses 6 and 7. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. While eating with the resurrected Jesus, hearing the teachings about the kingdom of God and anticipating the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the disciples are now keen to ask Jesus something. And they ask him, is now the time of restoration of the kingdom to Israel? You see, everything that they had just experienced in the past weeks with Jesus' suffering and death did not align with their expectations of what Jesus was supposed to do. Jesus was supposed to become the king of Israel who would rule from Jerusalem. He was supposed to overthrow the Roman oppressors. He was supposed to bring restoration to the people of Israel and ultimately blessing would extend from Israel to the nations. For the disciples, the crucifixion and death of the Messiah was moving in the opposite direction of what was supposed to happen. And Jesus' ministry came to a grinding halt at his crucifixion, and Rome was still in power even after his resurrection. So it was only natural for the disciples to ask, Jesus, is, is now the time? Are we back on schedule? As kids would ask in the car on a long road trip, are we there yet? 
And Jesus doesn't directly answer the disciples' question. He responds by saying that it's not for them to know the timetable or calendar of God's unfolding purposes in the world. Jesus' ministry was all about God's kingdom breaking into the world. All of Jesus' teachings, miracles, and signs were to bring the sphere of earth into the presence and under the rule of God. And what they failed to see was that the death and resurrection of Jesus was not a hitch in the plan, but the pathway for dealing with sin, for restoring humanity and all of creation. Jesus' answer was meant to realign the disciples to God's kingdom agenda. So in the context of the continuation of the ministry of Jesus, the anticipation of the Holy Spirit, and realigning the disciples to God's kingdom agenda, we return back to Acts 1.8. And now that conjunction that we looked at, but, now comes alive. Jesus was teaching his disciples, instead of concerning themselves with the timing of God's kingdom agenda, they were to testify concerning God's kingdom. And we, like the disciples, are invited to participate in God's kingdom mission. But what does that look like? Acts 1.8 will teach us the what, the how, and the where of participating in God's kingdom mission. So first, the what. We participate in God's kingdom mission as witnesses of Jesus. Let's look back at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness of Jesus? For the disciples, it meant being witnesses to the death and resurrection of Jesus, They were to be witnesses of the good news of the kingdom of God, that Jesus, the Savior King, now offers forgiveness of sins to every nation. And just as they had seen and experienced Jesus, they were now to live out their lives testifying about him. Luke 24, 46 through 48. And he, Jesus, told them, the disciples, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. In a similar way, after encountering Jesus and believing in him as our only hope for salvation, our lives and our identity are now bound up in bearing testimony for Jesus. His resurrection has changed our destiny from death to life. It means that our life gets to be a living, breathing, speaking testimony to the person and works of Jesus. He is our Savior King and the Lord of all. Every facet of our lives should bear the testimony of Jesus. Does the way I love my neighbors point to Jesus? Does the way I use my resources point to Jesus? Does the way I steward my time point to Jesus? Does my marriage point to Jesus? Does my parenting point to Jesus? Do my words, attitudes, and actions point to Jesus? 
And this is partially what Pastor Jeremy spoke on last week. As a believer in Jesus, we are telegraphing to the world that we are people who have a relationship with God. Do we exude by our holy, set-apart-for-God living that we are available as an access point for people to meet with Jesus? And our lives and our readiness to give an answer is one way that we can be a witness for Jesus. Another way is being active in proclaiming and sharing the story of Jesus. Now, being an active witness doesn't mean being a jerk or putting people in a headlock until they say the name of Jesus or winning an argument. It can look like inviting a friend to Alpha. It can look like having more intentional conversations about life and faith with friends and coworkers. It can look like seeking open doors and opportunities to share about the difference Jesus has made in your life. Being a witness for Jesus is not a dreadful task, but a joyful identity that we have been given. The desire of the witness is for others to experience the same joy and life transformations that they themselves have experienced. And this is what we naturally do as humans. Whenever we experience something amazing, we become witnesses of that experience and we testify concerning it. Last week, uh, our family went to Stanley Park, and we took my two-year-old son on the little train. And his experience of the train has now made him a witness to it. He recounts it. He describes it. He tells others about it. And there is joy. How much more when we experience the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives is it a privilege that we are witnesses of it? And our joy becomes complete as we bear testimony concerning him. So what does it look like to participate in God's kingdom mission? First, we have seen the what. We participate in God's kingdom mission as witnesses of Jesus. Second, we will see the how. We participate in God's kingdom mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look once again at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. An important observation here is that the empowering of the Holy Spirit precedes our calling to be witnesses. That means our effectiveness as witnesses does not depend upon our own cleverness, our strength, our gifting, or our ability. The one thing that makes all the difference in our witness is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. In Luke's gospel, there is a close connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And we see that during Jesus' earthly ministry, there is no reference to the Holy Spirit being upon anyone except for Jesus. The Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism The Spirit led Jesus to and from the wilderness. Jesus preached that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to proclaim good news. And now the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus will come upon his disciples. And this power was not something that they had to conjure up from within themselves or work towards to earn. The empowering of the Holy Spirit 
was a promised gift. And we see the effects of this power throughout the book of Acts. And here's one example, Acts 4, 31 through 34. After they, the disciples, prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. We see that the filling of the Spirit leads to speaking the word of God boldly. It leads to unity. It leads to loving and taking care of one another. The apostles testified in power about Jesus, and that led to meeting people's spiritual and physical needs. It's the power and grace of God at work that makes all the difference. And the same spirit that empowered the ministry of Jesus and the same spirit that empowered the apostles in the book of Acts is the same spirit that empowers you and me to be witnesses of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, reflecting on the power of the spirit, says, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and coals without fire, we are useless. A ship without wind isn't going far. A branch without sap will not live for very long, and coals without fire will remain cold. A Christian without the Holy Spirit cannot be an effective witness. But the good news is that we have access to the infinite power of the Holy Spirit, and we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that is why you'll often hear Pastor Dave praying for a fresh filling of the Spirit and praying that we would encounter the power and presence of God as we gather together on Sunday morning. This is similar to what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones would often pray from the pulpit. Oh God, I need a fresh baptism. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know the joy of being a witness for Jesus? Do you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? We can't manufacture it. We can't muster it up. We can't earn it. But we can long for it. We can ask for it. And we can receive it as a gift. That means our posture before God is to be open and available to him. And this is not a one-time event, but something we need every day. Praying for more Holy Spirit is a prayer God loves to answer. Perhaps that is something you can do in the stillness of the morning as you start your day. God, I belong to you. I'm here to receive from you. Would you fill me, and upon filling me, would you use me as your witness today? We have been invited to participate in God's kingdom mission. And what does that look like? We have seen the what. We participate in God's kingdom mission as witnesses of Jesus. 
We participate in God's kingdom mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we will see the where. We participate in God's kingdom mission locally and globally. Let's look at Acts 1.8 one more time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For the apostles, God's kingdom mission would begin in Jerusalem. In the first volume of Luke's writing was the story of Jesus to Jerusalem. The second volume is the story of Jesus that leads from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And this progression from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth serve as a rough outline to the book of Acts. And so the apostles begin in Jerusalem, the place where Jesus, riding on the foal of a donkey, showed himself to be a servant, savior, king, who would inaugurate his kingdom and reign through his death and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit-empowered disciples of Jesus would bring the good news of the kingdom from out of Jerusalem and to the surrounding countryside of Judea. But it wouldn't stop there. The witnesses of Jesus would bring the good news of the kingdom to Samaria. These Jewish neighbors had a long-standing history of racial and ethnic barriers. There were walls of bitterness that had been built up for over 500 years. And if that weren't radical enough, the witnesses of Jesus would bring the good news to the ends of the earth, which at that time was Rome, the very seat of power of their oppressors, the place that authorized the death sentence of Jesus. And if you were, re if you were to read through the book of Acts, you will see the empowered witnesses of Jesus boldly speaking acting and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit in spite of opposition, hardships, and unexpected circumstances. And you'll notice that some of the witnesses remain in Jerusalem, while others like Philip are scattered due, due to persecution, and others like Paul were called by God and specifically sent to various places. As witnesses of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to participate in God's kingdom mission both locally and globally. And just like the witnesses of Jesus in Acts, some of us will be called to remain local. And perhaps a large portion of our lives will be right here on the North Shore or in the greater Vancouver area. You are being called to be a witness for Jesus here. Some of us will be scattered due to circumstances out of our control, whether that is a new job or a housing situation or a family emergency. And in the scattering, you may move to a different part of the country or an entirely different country. You are called to be a witness for Jesus there. And others of you will be relocated by God for a specific calling. You can call it a kingdom reassignment. And you will be called to be a witness for Jesus wherever he leads you. But whether we stay or are scattered or are relocated for a specific calling, the mission of God remains the same. We are witnesses of Jesus. 
We serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was talking to Pastor Mark about his transition into being the district superintendent, he mentioned that this new ministry position is not better or an upgrade to being a pastor at North Shore Alliance Church. He said that this relocation was a lateral movement in the kingdom of God. He was not being called to a better placement, but simply a different one. And there is no such thing as a better calling. Whether you are a school teacher, in the service industry, in construction, in administration, in business, in the corporate world, you are all witnesses of Jesus. And we need witnesses of Jesus to saturate every part of our world so that all might hear, know, and believe that Jesus is the Savior King. So North Shore Alliance Church, may we participate in God's kingdom mission as witnesses of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and take this good news of the kingdom both across the street and across the sea. Amen.